to run the race and finish it. I'm so thankful for the work that we're a part of. I have many, many people that I'm accountable to and relationships that run as deep as my own flesh and blood may be deeper with some of them. People that I could get on the phone and they would jump on airplanes right now if I needed them to and fly here and hold up my hands if God forbid we've gone through some kind of a tragedy or had some kind of a difficulty. I've got friends that, that ask me the hard questions. Do you have that? I'm not, I'm, preaching, I'm not preaching on that, but I'm just asking. You've got to have that in your life. Somebody will say, where are you at? How's your eye gate? You've been looking at something you haven't thought supposed to look at. How are you living? Are you living right? How's your walk? You know, because if you get stupid, you want somebody to slap stupid off you, right? All right. But one of the things we talked about in the meeting was the overwhelming realization that the power of the Holy Spirit is not allowed to move in most churches. And they, we talked about that. And, you know, Peter and John, the hour of prayer, went, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So the church has forgotten what has actually caused the church to be so strong. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So as I meditated on that and I went to Louisiana, one of the things that marked the meetings there that we just had for a week was we saw more people filled with the Holy Spirit than I've seen. I mean, I mean, it's just amazing. Then last night, I was talking with my son, and we got to talking about the Holy Spirit. He's eight years old. He'll be nine in October. And began to realize that God's given him a prayer language that he prays in tongues. I'm not sure when that happened. I, well, actually, um, did you remember when Debbie Rich came here? That's a while ago. She said, that lady, that lady with Debbie Rich, we figured it out. She laid, laid hands on you, right, Dan? And, and <laughs> he's like, just don't call me up to pray in tongues, Dad. Just don't do that. I'm not going to, son. Unless, of course, I do. But what happened was, what happened was, he said, he said from that moment, now, Hannah's been praying in the Spirit for a while. And so for the first time in the history of my family, you all might do it all the time with your family, but I'm just telling you, for the first time in the history of my family, last night, we all got in the living room and we all prayed in our heavenly language before God. And I thought, that is amazing. Controversial topic, but we are a Pentecostal church. I'm going to break into it tonight and I'm going to show you what it means to be anointed. I want to talk to you about the anointing. What the anointing actually is, right out of Second Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-one and twenty-two. Now, if you've never heard a message on on being filled with the Holy Spirit in tongues, I'm gonna I'm gonna get after it and I'm gonna answer many questions. And so, I, how many of you believe what you're holding in your hands? The Word of God. Now, I believe the whole thing. The whole thing, I believe it. So, we're gonna get into it. It's gonna be good. Those here online, you ready? Those here, you ready? Let's come on. Look at Second Corinthians chapter one, verse. 21. Are you ready? On your marks. Reading from the New King James. Get set. Go. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in God. Who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for 
Your word lamp to our feet, a light upon our path. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain, will endure forever. So tonight, as I teach and preach to your precious people, let your word go forth, sharper than any two-edged sword, living and active. And I know that it will not return void, and that you will accomplish what you want to do in our, all of our hearts tonight. In the name that's above every other name, the matchless, precious, holy name of Jesus. You may be seated. Praise God. So we do have notes for you. If you don't have those, why would you get me a bottle of water, brother? I'd appreciate that. I don't know where you're going to find it. Maybe you can pray in tongues. God will help you. Oh, good. Look at that. Ask and you shall receive. Why? You didn't even need to do anything. Isn't that awesome? Thank you. Do you all have notes? If you don't have notes, slip your hand up. Very important message tonight. My only regret is that we don't have more people here listening to it. What is the anointing? Good question. What is the anointing? You've heard that? Oh, that's so anointed, right? You've heard that, right? I mean, anybody ever heard that before? That's anointed or the anointing. Well, essentially, the anointing is the pouring of oil over a person or a place, thus giving it special significance. Now, the first time you see that take place is in Genesis 28, verse 18. The first time we see oil being poured over a place or a place being anointed is with Jacob, the patriarch Jacob. He's in a place. He falls asleep in that place. Then he begins to have a dream in that place. In fact, that, that chapter in those verses says place, place, place. Three times. Something significant about that place. He takes oil and he pours it over a stone. He sets it up as a, pil- a pillar or a memorial. And he, set, and he pours oil on it. And he names it Bethel or the house of God. The Old Testament... There's three sets of people who were anointed. In the Old Testament, there's priests. Everybody say priests. Priests were anointed. They had oil poured over. It was a high priestly anointing. In fact, you can see one, Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like oil being poured over the head of Aaron, the high priest. So today, at one Lord Sunday that took place, it was like oil being poured over the head of Aaron. Good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. For there God commands the blessing, Psalm 133. But it's a picture of the high priestly anointing oil being poured over the high priest. But kings were also anointed. Kings also had anointing. On occasion, prophets would be anointed also. And here's what's interesting. The reigning king, in other words, the king in the, the king that was in Israel, king over God's people. As he reigned, he was called, not just king, and we think of it as king, but he was called the anointed one. Now this is, you know the anointed one to be Jesus, if you've been in church for a while, right? And we'll get to that in a second. But the king that was, would reign in Israel would be called the anointed one or the Messiah. As it was just another name for the king. In fact, the, in the word anointed one in Hebrew is the word Messiah. Now we translate that into the Greek word for anointed one, or the Greek word for anointed one is Christ. Did you know that? Christ is not Jesus' last name. 
Okay, I know that was a revelation for many of you. Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Jesus Christ. It's like, my name's Daniel Brackett. No, no. It's, his, it's his title. It's, his, it's who he is. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the the Messiah. Not a type and a shadow of the Messiah, which you see through the Old Testament. So here's a picture uh, when the anointed king is ruling over Israel. He's a Messiah. He's called the Messiah ruling over Israel. Or he's a Christ. Or the Christ, a Christ was ruling. That's the picture. So when, Jere- when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians, the king of Judah ruled no more. You begin to see clearly this hope is born. You can look at D. A hope was born of a new king who would reign in righteousness. And really up to that point, up to the point of the prophesying of Jeremiah and, and Isaiah, the Messiah or the anointed one would be the king. But now they go into captivity and this hope is born. And I want you to turn to Isaiah 61. This hope is born of a, of a king who would rule. share something with you just for a second do you know how bad that would have irritated me about five years ago I mean it would just irritate me to the ends I think I'm growing up it's really not that big a deal (laughs) I know that might be not a big thing for you but man thank you Jesus for changing me be so uptight sometimes (laughs) my battery went out and we've got this pause now on the tape Oh, God. I'm just going to take a minute and thank you. Thank you. Either I'm tired or you're changing me. Thank you, Jesus. I think you're changing me. Amen. All right. (laughs) I feel anointed. Okay. Even though some of these kings or some of these messiahs, they they did a wonderful job. Other ones were very wicked and evil. And... um, Jews would rise up and claim this promise that was made to King David, which you can read in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. 2 Samuel 7, verse 16. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever. Before me, your throne will be established forever. Every Jewish person would claim that promise and say, God, you said that you're going to do this. You're going to raise up a righteous Messiah. What's more fascinating is, and I know you've turned there, Isaiah 61, we'll read it in just a second. What's more fascinating is the promise of these words of the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah. Is that there would be this this king, as you begin to study these prophetic words, and hold a finger in Isaiah 61, turn to Isaiah Isaiah 11. These, These kings would come, yes, out of the line of David, but not like the kings who've gone before. It would be a different kind of a king. The anointing would not just be a physical anointing of oil poured on his head, but would be a substance where the Holy Spirit would be upon him fully. Isaiah 61, let me read it to you. 
the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah 11 now. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. If you look and turn back, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Oh, I read this every Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I mean, this has got to rock you when you realize that all of the kings of old prior to this point, these prophetic words begin to go forth that God was going to raise up the Messiah, the Messiah, not a type of Messiah, not just something that we would, somebody we would call the Messiah, but God would raise up the anointed one who would come. The lineage of David. All of a sudden we get a glimpse, a, a glimpse at this king, this Messiah, fully God, fully man. So from the line of David, fully God, fully man, who would have the spirit without measure, his name is Jesus came as a king who conquered sin and death on the cross. And he offers to mankind, to all who call upon his name, salvation. He would minister, blind eyes would open, deaf ears would be unstopped because he's God who paid the price for your sin and mine. So let's look at the text. You say, you know, Pastor, that's all nice and everything. What does that have to do with the anointing? Well, it has everything to do with it. Let's look at the text. And you fill in your notes here. This is the only time, the single only time that the Apostle Paul would use the word anointed in his letters right there in verse 21. So what is it, what he's saying is he, is he uses it as a play on words. For God puts us in Christ and He Christed us, is, the, is, the, is the, the Greek. He anointed us. He Christed us. Remember, Christ means the anointed one, right? You remember, you're tracking with me? So what does it mean when you come to Jesus? He comes in you and the same anointing now rests on you. You share in that anointing, the same Spirit. In John 20, Jesus breathes. It's a prophetic act of of Acts chapter 2, he breathed on them said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, the day of Pentecost comes. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is poured out. The great tragedy of Acts chapter 2 is there's only 120 people. 500 saw him ascend into the heavens. Only 120 hung out to get the rest of the deal. To get the anointing. There's three things that you see. As you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, you'll see three things. Three things that you see him saying, in essence, about the Holy Spirit. Look at C. The Apostle Paul sees the Holy Spirit as a person. As a person. Acts 13, you see that. In Acts 13, Paul is there and they're with the, the church and 
They're praying, and it says, The Holy Spirit said, Set aside for me. The Holy Spirit said. Everybody say, The Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said. You'll see, you'll see in the book of Acts chapter 8, Simon Magus, who was a sorcerer and bewitched people for many, many years or a long period of time. They thought he was the great power because of the signs and wonders, false signs and wonders. Well, they're signs and wonders. They're just not from God. He did all kinds of things, but this guy, Simon, gave his heart to Jesus. And he believed the message of Philip. He got baptized. I think his water was a little warmer than ours, maybe. What do you think, guys? (laughs) He got baptized. He hung out. He was in fellowship. I mean, he fulfilled the criteria of being somebody who's a Christian. Got saved, believed that Jesus died on a cross, rose again from the grave. Hung out with Philip the Evangelist. He was going to church. He was having fellowship. He got baptized. Yet, the Holy Spirit, he, he asked for the Holy Spirit, paid for money for the Holy Spirit so he could have this power too. You see that the Holy Spirit is not just an inanimate, it's not the force. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. Can you lie, can you, can you lie to my iPad? Go ahead, try. You can't. You can't lie to inanimate objects. The Holy Spirit's not a thing, it's not a it's not a dove. The Holy Spirit is person. It's the third person of the, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit. So the the Apostle Paul sees the Holy Spirit as a person. He sees the Holy Spirit as God's presence and God's, God's power. Over and over, the Apostle Paul would talk about the demonstration of God's power flowing through God's people through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now given that, as we look at this text, the Holy Spirit is not only anointing us or Christing us, but he goes on to say these ver- words in verse 22. Look at verse 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Set his seal of ownership upon us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Not only is is the Holy Spirit poured upon us, look at D, but it's a seal of ownership and a guaranteeing deposit. If if we want to talk about that, what what does that mean? In ancient times, if, if, if I was to send something, a letter, I would put a seal, my, the ring, my signet ring, a seal on that letter, I would mark it. If, if, if somebody owned uh, something, a king, whatever, would have his seal on it. We have a brother in our church who uh, grew up in the south and uh, had somebody make him a long rifle, black, uh, a black powder long rifle, beautiful, handmade. And uh, it was on his wall. I, I, I visited them just recently and uh, Michael, Mike Bush, if you haven't met him, Mike and Kim Bush, tremendous family, pretty new to our church. And we visited him, and they were, he was showing me this rifle that's on his wall. He said, you know, I lost it for 25 years. I said, you lost it? He said, yeah, it got stolen out of my house. He said, wow. I said, but now you have it. He says, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, he said, I was just a few years ago down back home, and my brother said, hey, you remember that rifle? That one that, you know, somebody made for you? And I, he said, oh, yeah, I remember it. He says, do you still have that? He says, no, it got stolen 25 years ago. He says, no kidding. You know, I just saw almost the exact same one. He says, really, where? He says, over at so-and-so's house. 
And they knew. They knew who so-and-so was. I said, no kidding. I said, yeah. He says, well, you know something? That gun's got my initials on it. So they went over to so-and-so's house. They knocked on the door. They went inside. And they said, hey, you know that rifle? We want to check that out. Sure enough. Pulled the rifle off the side of the wall. Looked down on the stock. And there it was. His seal. His initials. M.B. He said, this is my gun. He said, man, I bought it. You know, I bought it probably 20 years ago from a, you know, from a pawn shop or something. I forget what the story was. And they were close friends. And realized that he's not the one that stole it, you know. But somebody stole it from him. But he got it back because it had his, it has his seal on it. The Holy Spirit, it says in the book of Ephesians, is, is an arabon. It's, a, it's, it's a, an earnest of what's to come. A seal. A seal of ownership. What does that mean? Well, look at number one. We bear the character of our Lord. At least we're supposed to. That means the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest Jesus to the world through you. You and I are supposed to represent. You know what? Represent. Presenting Jesus. We're supposed to represent Him. In other words, when somebody sees your life, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you live, the way you walk... When they spend time with you or I, they're supposed to have a representation of Christ, Jesus. Should we repent now? Praise the Lord. We all bear the character of Christ. We're supposed to. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the plan for, for you and I to bear the character of the Lord. We're supposed to represent Jesus in the earth. While you're turning to 2 Corinthians 3, let me ask you, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing representing Jesus to the world? Second Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness. And ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Verse 17, I've said it so many times before in this church. There's been a great emphasis on teaching the Word of God over the years. Um, you know, especially, especially a strong emphasis coming in to the 70s. Uh, there was a great emphasis on teaching the Word. And there was a great release of many teachers, anointed teachers, many of them. During the 70s at Jesus Movement, I think Chuck Smith baptized something like 25,000 people in the Pacific Ocean in one year. I mean, it began to... Uh, some, of you, some of you might remember that time. I mean, it was amazing. It was called the, the, it was called the, the Jesus Movement. There began to be this great emphasis on teaching, and, and we're into teaching. I'm teaching you now. It's great to have good anointed teaching, but if you read this text, it says, Now the, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That text there, verse 17, could be rewritten if you looked at the original Greek to say this. Where the Holy Spirit is allowed to be Lord, where the Holy Spirit is allowed to actually lead and, and rule, then there's freedom. 
And that's why we, we give preeminence in our service to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you understand the difference? The difference is, should, should God impress upon my heart to stop preaching to you right now? Bring the worship team back up and allow the Spirit of God to move in another way? That is exactly what I'll do. Because I'm, I'm not the one that has preeminence. He does. And He moves in us. And, and there's been such an emphasis on teaching that if there's not... Do you understand what I'm talking about? There can be, there can, you can get taught so much and there can be no demonstration. I will say this to you. If all you do is learn the Word, memorize Scripture, but you never take action on that which you learn, then you're just becoming more religious. I know that hurts, so let me, let me say it another way. If all you do is get taught, at best, that's only about half of the action you need to take in getting the renewing of your mind. You can't just keep, get taught. Come on, did anybody ever learn a trade? Did anybody ever learn a trade? You learned a trade, right? How did you do that? Okay, well, you know, maybe you went to school. Maybe you went to welding school or something. Maybe you went and learned how to weld. But there came a point. When you learned about, in school, welding rods and all of that different types of weld. There, there came a point when somebody had to put a, a welding, you know, deal in your hand and teach you how to wear the helmet and the whole deal and teach you how to make a nice bead when you're welding. I learned to weld when I was 18 years old. I didn't like the mask they gave me. They told me not to look at that blue arc, which I thought was really pretty. Remind me of the glory now when I think about it. So I, I would I had a hard time starting my bead. Anybody know how to weld? I had a hard time starting that thing. And so I would just like, you know, have my mask up, start it, and like get it going good. And then I'd put my mask down. Well, after a whole day of welding, I went to sleep that night. I woke up blind as a bat. And I felt like somebody was ground glass in my eyes. I mean, I could not see. I was totally blind. I mean, I woke up. I had my eyes open, water's running down my face, and I realized, I'm blind. I'm blind. I had no idea what happened. I mean, I thought I just woke up blind. I was crying. I, you know, felt through my room, down the walls. It was in Greece, actually. I went to this thing in Greece and bowled over the door of the guy who was over our whole unit. I'm blind. He said, dude, you're okay, man. You must have stared at the, yeah. You know, Christianity, we get all kinds of teaching. You need to learn how to... Jesus never taught, just taught. He taught and He did. He did and He would teach. All right. We're supposed to represent the character of the Lord, but... In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it's here that He points to God's work in us by the Holy Spirit is to transform us. You will not be trying... Listen to me. Read my lips. The transforming in your life will not take place by listening to good messages. Well, there's, there's a measure of transform, transformation that comes. And hallelujah, there's a measure of transformation that comes when God touches you by His Spirit. The rest of the transformation comes when you leave this place and you take what you've learned here and you begin to imp- apply it into the soil of your life. 
if you if you partition your mind to think of church as some something that you do here and the gifts work here and and we get touched by God here but then you go out there that's your that's the secular world and you put and you partition your mind there's two different places you have absolutely positively missed it in God if your gifts only work in church I wonder about your gifts that's good preaching right there I'm encouraging myself amen thank you Jesus wow that's a good word Pastor Daniel going to use my gifts out there in Walmart hallelujah because God has anointed me not only that the, the, we talked about the spirit as a seal but, a, but it's a guarantee of what's to come now here's what blows me away by this text that we're looking at a seal of ownership a guaranteeing deposit I, I kept driving past this 1964 red Pontiac GTO when I was in Louisiana. Can I tell you something? That is a bad car. Does any, can, is anybody, I'm even getting touched by the Lord talking about it. Can, does anybody bear witness with a 1964 Pontiac GTO? Hot muscle car from 1964. I would drive past that thing and I was going, wow. Now, if I was going to buy it, and I didn't have the finances, but I didn't want to lose it, I didn't want somebody else to buy it from underneath me, what would I do? Let's say it's for sale. I go and I put a, I go to deposit. Would you hold that for me? Would you hold that? All right, it's a deal. Huh? Just a thousand bucks. All right. You hold the car for me. I'm going to get the rest of the money. And I'm going to peel out out of here, do a four-wheel drift around the next corner in my, you know, my 64 Pontiac GTO. Red, hard top convertible. Ooh. God. <laughs> All right. I like red, the color of the blood. It's a deposit. So the Holy Spirit, watch this. The, the text we read, the Holy Spirit has been given to you and I as a seal of ownership so that you're representing the character of the Lord, but also as a deposit. Now, here's what blows me away. If this... What we experience in service, just think about the most incredible encounter you've ever had in God. It's a deposit. It's not the whole jelly donut. Whatever, I mean, I've had some, I've had some encounters in God. Just think about the most incredible encounter you've ever had in the Spirit. And that would not be the entire 1964 Pontiac GTO. That's just a deposit. I'm sorry. I, maybe you don't understand me. It's just a deposit, yet you get the whole GTO in heaven. So what you're experiencing in God now, it's just a deposit. Wow. So I don't know what you're talking about. Stick around. Look at two. We have the taste of heaven the taste of heaven and reveal the power of the kingdom of heaven to the world I believe the Holy Spirit is a, it's a taste of it, he's just a taste of heaven when we have these services where his presence is so real I sense his presence now, it's just a taste of heaven it's just a, it's a slice of heaven just a moment, just a slice oh alright 
does the Apostle Paul understand the anointing? How do we get this anointing to happen? How, if we're, if we're in Christ, is it for us? I want you to turn to Acts 19 and um, brace yourself. Just put your seats in the upright lock position, tray tables, fasten your seatbelt high and tight. Acts 19. Acts 19. The Apostle Paul comes. Watch this. He comes. He comes up. He's in Ephesus and he comes upon some believers. So he thinks. So he comes upon some believers. So I'm, I'm going to come upon Wyatt. Here I come. I'm coming to Wyatt. All right. And let's say I, I know Wyatt is a believer, but let's say that. I don't know for sure, but it looks to me that he is, and I'm going to assume that he's a believer. The first thing the Apostle Paul asks these, these believers, which he finds out later, actually they're not believers, but they're believers in John's baptism. Which, by the way, shows you the, the incredible size of the impact of John the Baptist's ministry. Look where Ephesus is, and look where John baptized. I mean, we're talking a big distance. No internet, no email. No cars, nothing. Thousands of miles away. And the Apostle Paul comes and says, Hey, what's up? Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? Now he's asking him, Since you believed in Jesus, have you received the Holy Spirit? Interesting question. If you come upon somebody who says, Hey, do you go to church? Oh yeah, I love God. No kidding. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Now we don't we don't we don't do that because it's offensive. The apostle Paul saw the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit as a separate work than salvation. It's beyond salvation. Look at look at look at A. How does the apostle Paul understand the anointing? It's beyond salvation. Look, if your if your concept of the Holy Spirit Look, I, I know I, I can feel like I'm stepping on some people's toes. I'm going to try to be as sweet as I possibly can. You know what was fun about being in Louisiana? I didn't have to be sweet. We just let Pastor Barry clean the whole thing up. I just flew on out. Wah-ha! If, if, if your concept of the Holy Spirit is it just ends with salvation and then like this, is that's it. You're missing. You are missing out on what God has for you. You cannot live this Christian life in this day and age with boldness, power, and the authority that's shown in, the, in Scripture without the Holy Spirit. You just can't. So the Apostle Paul coming upon some believers asked them, Hey, what's up? Praise God. Hey, you received the Holy Spirit? So the very question, did you receive the Holy Spirit, suggests that there's something more than salvation. Now, there's no doubt that the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. There's no doubt that the Holy Spirit draws you to the Lord. We're not doubting any of those things. That's absolutely true. And we have many scriptures to show it. The Holy Spirit makes you alive in God, and that brings salvation for sure. There's no doubt. But there's a unique working of the Holy Spirit apart from salvation, which the Apostle Paul calls the anointing. 
the outpouring of the Spirit or the baptism of the Spirit. You'll notice that it's for every believer. The baptism of the Spirit is for every believer. Did you receive the Spirit since you believed? Paul thought that he's talking to believers in Christ. He didn't know that they weren't. They were followers of John the Baptist. So here he leads them to Jesus and he places his hands on them and bam! They receive the Holy Spirit. Realize then, and they begin to speak in tongues. Realize then, look at C. Realize then the outward sign that they're filled with the Holy Spirit is that they spoke in tongues. Now, that is controversial. Okay, even in, in churches across the land that believe, even here in the valley, that believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll just tell you what I believe. I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is speaking in tongues. I believe that. I see it in Scripture. You see it in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. You, you, you see that. You see even, you remember when Philip went to Samaria. Now, this, it's implied that, it doesn't say that they spoke in tongues, but Philip was doing all kinds of miracles. How many know the text? Philip goes to Samaria. Stephen, the first martyr, is killed. Philip, everybody scatters because they should have got going earlier. They leave Jerusalem. Philip goes to Samaria, preaches about the kingdom of God, preaches the gospel. People get saved. People get healed. It says that demons were cast out. There's all kinds of miracles. But then the apostles come to check out what's happening. That, that Gentiles have received the Lord. And so they come to find out the overseers show up at the meeting to make sure, you know, make sure everything's going good. And they begin to lay hands on people. And it's then that, the, that Simon Magus says, Give me this power also, that when I lay hands on the people, they, re- they receive the Holy Spirit. Why didn't he think about that before? I would venture to say that there was something other than devils being cast out. I would venture to say that there's something other than people being healed, something other than people being saved, something other than miraculous signs and wonders and that normal nature. The apostles show up, they lay hands. Something else happened than what happened with Philip. Do you understand my logic? Do you understand the logic here? Because why, why would he then say, hey, wow, this is cool. Through the laying out of hands, then we can receive the Holy Spirit. Give me this gift also. And they say, you fool, may your money perish with you. You're full of bitterness. Pray the Lord to forgive you, and you know the rest of the text. See, I believe even that text points to the fact that there was something other than just healing something other than just miracles. I believe that when they laid hands, those believers spoke in other tongues. I mean, it was something that showed a manifestation. Can I tell you the way it is for me? I, uh, I never want to believe something that is not true. The Apostle Paul believed with all his heart that he was right. And so he went around killing Saul at this time, went around killing the church. He believed everything we believed except for Jesus being the Messiah. He believed in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He believed in the one God. He believed in the power of the Spirit of God. He believed, he believed in redemption. He believed in, he believed in all of those things. He believed without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. He believed, the Apostle Paul, or actually at that time Saul, believed all of those things that we believe right now, except about Jesus. So he went around killing people until he realized as God spoke to him on the road to Damascus 
Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Which to me is a statement about his body also. The church is his body. Saul's going around killing Christians. It's actually hurting the Lord. The, the killing of Christians was persecuting Jesus himself. That's who you are. Jesus is in you. And when you get killed or persecuted, it's actually somebody persecuting the Lord. I mean, let that ring ring for you. He believed with all his heart. He's totally wrong. So if in your walk with God, you've relegated your experience to just being saved, I will tell you now, you are missing something in your walk with God. He wants to anoint you. He wants to fill you. He wants to give you power. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Well, praise the Lord. I've had people say, you know something, my mama taught me. My mama taught me the tongues are from the devil. So there ain't no way I'm praying in tongues. Well, you know, I can't remember a time when I saw somebody who drank a fifth of Jack Daniels praying tongues. Has anybody ever seen that before? They drink. <laughs> okay. If tongues was of the devil, I'd been I'd been doing that long ago. Way before I got saved. Some of you should say amen, me too. That's right. All right. All right, living in the, you know, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Bringing this to a conclusion. How to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, be filled with the Holy Spirit is is a, be filled. Everybody say believe. Believe God wants to fill you. You got to believe, first of all. The blockages to people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, blockages to people receiving what the Apostle Paul sees as the anointing. One theological blockage. In other words, if in your mind you've settled it, that that's not of God, that's not for today, the gifts have ceased, and it'll be very hard for you to receive. If you wholeheartedly believe that, your heart will be shut down to receiving anything but that. And hopefully I've answered some questions tonight. Uh, but if I haven't, don't just stop. Don't, you know, don't base the Word of God on your own experience. Because my own experience would say there's no way that the opening of those floodgates there in Louisiana, that, that Bubba's house wasn't going to get flooded. Bubba's house was definitely going to get flooded in the natural land. Absolutely. But I thought, well... I'm maybe going to cause an earthquake or something. I don't know what you're going to do to make it get higher or whatever. Who would ever think that the that the the, the peat would be drier than usual and suck up the water and save his house? Don't don't just don't don't just look at the word of God based upon your finite mind. You you have a finite mind. You know you're limited. We're limited. We just think we think inside of boxes and structures. Well, well, I've never seen that before. So, so that means that can't happen. Well, I, I don't know how that could happen. Well, you don't know how the planets spin off in the universe and don't crash into each other. Be open to truth from the Word of God. When people have theological blocks. It's very hard for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If, if they have sin. If they have sin, if there's sin in their life, they know, they're convicted, they hold on to it. I don't think I've ever seen anybody like that get filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It's like a it's like a big rock in your well. You've a stopped up well. It's hard for for the flow to happen when you got stones in it. All right. Theological blockages, sin. Sometimes people just have shame in their mind and in their heart. In other words, they realize, man, I know that that's of God and. I've seen people have that and their life get changed. They walk in power. I've confessed my sin. But then they think this. Then they think, but I'm really not that good a Christian. I mean, I'm trying. And they begin to think of themselves in the view of shame. They begin to think of themselves about how they're not worthy. And so they begin to put on themselves self-worth issues of self-worth that are not worthy that God's not going to do that for them because they're not really up to the standard let me fix that problem for you right now if Jesus died which he did on a cross rose again from the grave and it's his blood that cleanses us from sin oh the blood of Jesus oh the blood of Jesus Oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. We believe, it's clear in Scripture, that the blood cleanses you from sin. That He takes away your sin. Yes or no? We believe that? Is that true? We believe that. So then when you confess your sin to Him and you ask Him to forgive you, does He or does He not forgive you? He does. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just. Justice. Justice has been served. The sin that you did, there was justice served. Jesus died for you. That's the justice. So when you believe in your heart and confess it in your mouth that Jesus is Lord, or when perhaps you've stumbled and you've now confessed, God, forgive me for the, for the wrong thing that I did, the attitude. He washes you. It's underneath the blood. For you then to say that you are not worthy. Watch this now. Pay close attention. If you have, if you have issues of self-confidence and being unworthy, pay attention now. I'm going to smash it. If then you say, Well, I'm not worthy. Then what you do, ma'am, sir, is put a higher standard on yourself than what God does and say that actually the blood of Jesus is not enough for you to cleanse your sin and make you righteous and make you holy. You actually want God to do something more. You want Him to come and maybe die on a cross again or something. The truth is, if you continue to feel unworthy in light of the reality of what Jesus has done on the cross, then actually what that means is that you are filled with pride and you are spitting on the finished work of... Doesn't that hurt? You're spitting on the finished work of Jesus saying that that is enough. Not enough. You need to repent, knock it off, and understand that what He did on the cross... I might preach. I'm done teaching. (laughs) What He did on Calvary is absolutely enough to make you pure, spotless, righteous, give you boldness to boldly come before the throne of God's grace. You are forgiven. You are a new creation. You've been washed in the blood. Your sin is thrown as far as the east is from the west. If you've repented, it's really pride turned inside out, like called false humility. And I know that stings. And the reason I can make it sting like that is I had that problem. 
Well, look at somebody and say, praise the Lord, we're made righteous by His blood. Go ahead, look at somebody and say, praise God, I'm made righteous by His blood. All right. Believe that God wants to fill you. You know, some people say we don't need it. We don't need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Wrong. You do. You desperately need it. And that's why you're having such a hard time living for God. Wondering where the intimacy is. Wondering where the power is. Wondering why you don't have the kind of authority that the Scriptures say over the enemy. Having a hard time resisting sin. Resisting temptation. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The second thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit. One, believe that God wants to fill you. Everybody say, I believe that God wants to fill me. Say it. I believe that God wants to. The second thing is be hungry. Be hungry. Spiritual anorexia. Do you know what that is? That's people that aren't hungry for God. They're complacent. They're apathetic. They had to seek God for ten days after the ascension. You know, we want things right away. I've made fun about it because we're just a McDonald's generation. I want, you know, Big Mac. Give me some fries and I want them hot. I don't want cold McDonald's French fries. Those are from the devil. I want fresh. And, you know, we wait there at the window for any longer than three minutes and we just freak out. What kind of McDonald's is this? I mean, they even have clocks. So that the owners and the managers can look to see how fast people are being served. And so we just wonder why we ask God to fill us. You've, been, you've asked like three or four times and you're still coming up with nothing. And you're saying, well, I guess God just doesn't love me. Give me a break. There's, there's a principle at work about hungering for God. We want the infilling of the Spirit, you know. <laughs> Look, I, you, oh, man, I'm, 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 I'm oh, man, Jesus. I've said this before. It's just so funny to me. It's so funny. It's hysterical. All right. So let's let's say it this way. Um, uh, let's say I invite Micah over to my house. Micah, would you come here? What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I want you to come over to my house. Um, would you come over to my house? But don't bring your wife. Now, you know I don't feel this way, right? Okay. Because she's a little weird. All right. Now, I love you. You know, you should, you know you, I want you to come over, but you just leave your wife at home. All right. Illustration. Thanks. We're done. I, you, know, you know me. All right. I love your wife. You're all good. Yeah. Okay. People say... I want God to fill me with His Spirit. I want His power. Just not like that. Lord, I want you to fill me and set me on fire. But I will not, absolutely, positively, not lifting my hand like those bunch of freaks over there. You fill me right now. And really, I don't feel like singing all that loud either, so just fill me. I'm ready. I told you there was no Holy Ghost. I told you. (laughs) 
You've got to be hungry. You can't just add, say, God, fill me, touch me, set me on fire, but not like that. I, I don't want to make those funny sounds, and I definitely ain't shaking. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I want you to fill me, Lord, but I'm not going to lift my hands, and I'm certainly not going to open my mouth. You're going to have to touch me. You're going to have to move my mouth back and forth. And you're going to have to, because other than that, it ain't going to happen. That's like inviting somebody over your house and telling them to leave their spouse at home. That's a good word. You've got to be hungry. Look, for, look, can I tell you something? When you get hungry enough, you don't give a fig, F-I-G. You don't give a fig about what anybody thinks about you. You don't really care whether somebody approves of the way you lift your hand or how you dance. Whether you shout or whisper or make noise. When, when Pastor Jan's brother got saved and delivered, when that happened, do you know what, you know what happened in the church? I'll tell you what happened. Pastor Jan was off to my right. She pranked 25 years on fire for God, fasting and praying every year for her brother to get saved. 25 years. That's a pretty long time, okay? He gets saved. Do you know what her response was? Oh, she buckled, man. Hit the ground. Tears everywhere. Wipeout. Total wipeout. Come on, when, 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 you know, we see it with people who grieve, who lose a loved one. They're, they're not going to be all cute about it. Some people can knuckle down those emotions. They're, they're weeping. They're wailing. You ever see somebody wail? She broke because of the love of God. And finally her, her brothers delivered. When she broke, Pastor Barry broke. When Pastor Barry broke, at the same time simultaneously, their worship leader, who's Zach, one of, the, one of their worship leaders, Zach, he hit the floor so hard. He hit the floor so hard. Guitar down, face down, on his knees, on the floor, I just look back and he is heaving in a pile. Just Now when that happened, the Holy Spirit just wrecked the place. All across the place. All I could do is just go, oh God. People began to cry. People began to get touched by the Lord. Zach wept so hard that he had two black eyes from breaking all the capillaries in his eyes. He went to work and they're like, dude, what happened? He's like, we had Holy Ghost revival. <laughs> when you're, if your hunger is sincere, you won't care about the opinions of people sitting next to you. If your hunger is sincere, it'll cause you to look like a fool in the face of your peers in order to be embraced in the arms of the Master. Your hunger, if sincere, will drive you. Like a, like a starving man. Like a man or a woman who's dying of thirst. Hunger. Spiritual hunger. We fill our lives with so much other stuff when the first and most important thing that will satisfy you more than any program that's on TV, satisfy you more than any, any good meal, satisfy you more than anything you could put together his power and his holy spirit and we wonder why it just doesn't come in a mcdonald's bag there's a principle of getting hungry deuteronomy chapter six god says 
through Moses, he caused you to hunger and then fed you with manna. He caused you to hunger in the wilderness, then fed you with manna. Fascinating. It's almost as if God will allow for circumstances and situations to come together so that you'll begin to cry out, so He will feed you and fill you, so that you can realize, my God, you're what I've looked for all my life, so that your faith grows. Listen, I, we don't just hand our kids money. We'll pay them occasionally to do a job, but we don't overpay them. Sometimes we bless them, you know. Why? We're trying to teach them the value of a dollar. Sometimes we've had so much that we, we've lost the value of things. And just because you've hungered before and you felt like you, you, you've not been baptized in the Spirit, and so you, now you feel like you're rejected, cause that to tell that thing to go away. Get hungry again. The thing about Louisiana that, that, that amazed me, the people were like a bunch of max, matchsticks with gas on it, waiting for somebody to come to bring a spark. The second a spark was launched, that place went up in an inferno. How's your hunger level? You want God to fill you? Yeah. You want God to fill you? To be refilled? We all leak. Don't forget that. If I got filled by the Holy Spirit back in uh, Notre Dame, charismatic Catholic outpouring. I was there. got filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, you filled? Do you still fill? Well, hope so, you know. I'm not mocking that. It was a great thing that God did in Notre Dame. I think it's 19, say 1967. Some of you might know that history better than I do. Where God poured out His Spirit on the Catholic Church, and so people were filled with the Spirit of God. And even today, there's charismatic Catholics. You know, praise God. People were hungry. Are you hungry? We're talking about the anointing, which the Apostle Paul sees really, as we've shown you today, tonight. That it's the being filled with the Holy Spirit. Believe that God wants to fill you to be hungry. Thirdly, thirdly, everybody say three. Have hands laid on you. Now, you don't always have to have hands laid on you. Acts chapter 10, nobody touched anybody. You know, you just see Acts 10. Peter's preaching. And the Gentiles are filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't even lay hands on them. Wow. But it is a principle to have hands laid on you. The laying on of hands. Fourthly, worship. You'll notice at the end of the Gospel of Luke, they were continually in the temple praising God. Take time to worship at home. Take time to worship. Let the Lord take you. Give yourself to Him. Turn this off. Sometimes we're worshiping, you know. And we think, oh, did I leave the iron on? Oh, oh well, thank God it's got the automatic off. I think I turned it off. Hallelujah. Pretty sure I turned it off. Hallelujah. Well, doesn't have the auto on? You know what I think I am? Hallelujah. I unplugged it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, the oven. Where's my phone? 
I'll text my neighbor. Hallelujah. Do you know, you know in, in Acts 2, they, they didn't have iPhones and, and Crackberries and texting devices. They didn't have any of that stuff. They were united in one accord. There is a principle about worshiping God and being united in one accord, corporately, but also individually. I will tell you in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room, that their, their, their king had been crucified. Now they're waiting. I'm going to tell you what, they're waiting either you're going to do this thing or we're all going to be crucified. That's what they're thinking in the upper room. And they're in the upper room. Peter, the cursing Peter, comes out of the upper room. And preaches till 3,000 people get saved. Well, he just cursed the Lord a few days before that, basically. In the upper room, they were so desperate and so hungry. God came. You've got you to yield. Everybody say yield. You know, I drove on some freeways. And... Um, I'm driving. I was driving with my mother and my uh, my my new dad, uh, Ed. I call him Dad Ed. It's my my stepfather, Ed. Great guy. And uh, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost at nearly he's 78 years old. Baptized in the Holy Spirit in the services. Almost 80 years old. Got filled with the Holy Ghost. Prayed in tongues. His life's been forever changed. They go back to their conservative church. They go back. This this happened today. They go back to their conservative church. It's a Calvary chapel. You know, Chuck Smith model. We bless them. It's great. Praise the Lord. Pretty conservative, though. They go back to their... Compared to some other crazy places. Anybody go back to their conservative church. And the, and the senior pastor comes up and says, I've just gotten back from a trip from England. And it is high time that I teach you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm so sorry. He says, I'm so sorry that I've shied away from it. I've backed away from it. But I'm going to teach you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he preached a whole message on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then they said, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, then just head to our back room and we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. And they did. And people got filled with the Spirit. Wow. Now, now they, they... they will say that the initial sign, they don't talk about initial sign and they don't talk about tongues so much. They just say you need to be filled and however that looks. And you know what? That's good too, praise God. However it is, just get plugged in. Get the fire, get the power, get, get hooked up, get the anointing. But you've got to yield. I was driving with them. I'm almost done. I'm a little long-winded tonight. Driving. We cross over into Orange, Texas, and I'm driving some new Ford. It's decent, nice car rental. I had it on cruise control because my, my, uh, my, my father, my dad, Ed, said, yeah, I was talking to a state trooper in Texas, and they said, uh, nine, you're mine, eight, you're out the gate. You can go eight miles an hour over, but nine, you're busted. I thought, that works for me. I set it at eight. All right, eight miles over the speed limit, set the cruise control. So we're cruising. We're talking about the Lord. And I look in the rearview mirror, and I'm not kidding you. This guy in a, in a, I think it was a Ford Explorer, gray, just a bad-looking truck, man. All black windows, black wheels. Comes up on me probably 120 miles an hour plus. Just, I mean, I can feel the heat of his radiator on the back of my neck. So when he came, I put on my blinker and yielded. 
to him. We'll go right ahead. I pulled over. He pulls over. He's right behind me. I thought, I started praying in tongues right then. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Anyway, he went by, but I had to yield to him. You have to yield. Some people have so many control problems. They're so terrified that God's going to embarrass you or make you look like a fool or something. But I have had that happen also. (laughs) But the truth is, Father knows best. Just trust Him. Yield. Everybody say yield. All right. Micah, would you come? And the last thing, lastly now, about living in this anointing. Let God use you. Be a seal. Be a seal of... Represent His character. Let God use you in the community. I think the main message, if I could pull off of the message that was preached by Pastor Dwayne from Sunny Connect Chapel at One Lord Sunday was we need to witness to people out in the community. We need to tell them about the love of God. And we need to turn to God. We need to allow Him to be our Lord and Savior. But then we need to witness. I'm going to tell you, there is a whole there's 90, the new new census says there's 90,000 people in the valley. We've figured out at the Valley Pastors Prayer Network that there's approximately 10,000 people that are in church. That would mean, ladies and gentlemen, I wasn't very good in math, but I've got this one. That would mean 80, 80, 80,000 people who have not received the Lord and are walking with God, have received Jesus, had a born-again experience, and go to church. 80,000. Now, Jesus choked toes, just 12, and turned the known world upside down with 12. I think yeah, there's more than 12 people here tonight. I think we can do it. Let God use you. Let God use you. Stand up on your feet. I know I went a little bit long. First, if you're not right with God, you need to be made right with Him tonight. I'm not talking about joining our church. I'm talking about repenting of your sin and asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Ask Him to forgive you, wash you, cleanse you. If you're not right with God, get right with Him tonight. Don't wait. Don't wait. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You want to make a recommitment. He died for you so that you might have life and life abundant. Jesus was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You've been going through some stealing, killing, and destroying that's been happening in your life? Come on. God wants to help you. God wants to heal you. God wants to cleanse your sin, wants to make you whole. All across this place, those online want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to Him, slip your hand up right now. Just do it right now. That's you. Yep, I want to get right with God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. You meant business with God? You're real serious about it? Then this won't bother you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come right here in front of God and country because Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. But if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. And I have a theory. I shared it when we did the altar call at One Lord Sunday. If you can't step up, in front of a bunch of people that say, and I'm not trying to bring shame, I'm just challenging you. 
You can't step up in front of a bunch of people who love God with all their heart and say, yep, I'm going to go for it. I'm committing my life to Jesus. I'm repenting of my sin. Then you will never, ever be able to live for God out there with a bunch of people who don't give a flip, don't care about God at all. You will not be able to stand. So if that's you, slip your hand up. You meant business with God. Come right now. Right here. Come. Put your hands together for these. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can kneel. That's a good old-fashioned altar call. Go ahead if you want to. You don't have to, but you can. Have some of my leaders come up, please. Come on, Amy. So first, we're going to ask right now for our sins to be forgiven and ask Jesus to come into our heart. Edna, would you come? All across this place, those online, just bow your head and repeat after me right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, Edna, would you minister right here, please? Forgive me for all of my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Give me a hunger for your word. A hunger for the things of God. Help me to live for you. Help me to fulfill my purpose in the earth. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Just lift your hands all across this place. Just a sign of surrender, that's all. Hebrew In Hebrew, it's yada, an extending of the hands. Hebrews, Jews would raise their hands to God. See it even today. It's okay, just raise your hands. Sign of surrender, sign of worship, sign of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray, break off every bondage. Break off, Lord, every assignment of the enemy that would try to undermine. Release your blessing. Fill them with your spirit even now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. While they're being ministered to, if you want to be anointed and be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, maybe maybe you just want to be refilled, God will give you a prayer language. I want you to come. Make a line all the way across the front. We're going to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you, anoint with oil. Micah, would you lead us in worship? And uh, if, if you need to slip out, I know I've gone a little bit longer than I usually do, then feel free. But I want to allow for application of the word. Is If you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, come right now. We're going to pray for you. Praise God. Just come right now. 
upon your life always has been it's never left come here I'm walking you up front what I'm doing right now slow down just a little bit what I'm doing right now is a prophetic act yeah mom you're done ministering because you probably want to hear this hold on what I'm doing is a prophetic act taking you off of the back row and I'm going to put you back where you belong the key to the apostle Paul's life the key to we're okay the key to the apostle Paul's life is this he had a clear vision from heaven and he knew what he was called to do and he was going to run the race and he was going to finish it and you, why you were yet in your mother's womb, God knit you together. You've been called to full-time ministry, even worship leading. You will preach and you will prophesy out of a saturation. There, the enemy came, even, even like a battle axe from hell, to try to separate you from the things of God. There is a, such a touch of heaven on the inside of your soul that even in the midst of it, there was worship that welled forth from within you. That even in the midst of it, you knew that I had not let you go. Even in the midst of it, now as there's come a completion and an end of that cycle and that season, you are now to take bold steps. You don't have to wait. Listen to me. You don't have to wait five years of walking, sitting on the back pew before you get released in ministry. There's a great season of healing, but it's a season of releasing. And I'm going to cause you to be one that reaches across the muck and the miry clay and snatches out others. That, 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 that you have a, a, an authority. As you come through this thing, you're going to walk in a new authority. And you're going to reach and you're going to grab uh, younger ladies, younger women. You're going to pull them out with an authority. They can only be given to somebody who's walked through the wilderness and has been healed of the different things that you've gone through. You will play. You will sing. You will write music. There is so much gifting and anointing that's upon you. And it's not so much just about your life. It's not so much just about you and, and what God wants to do through you. There is nations that I'm going to send you to. I've written them on your heart. There are people that I've called you to. Should you not say yes? And should you stay on the back row and, 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 and just wait? would be to, to mean that those people in those nations don't receive me and people don't get set free. But that's not you and that's
that's not what's going to happen. You're going to stand up and say yes. Come on, say yes. You say yes to God, yes to the call of God, yes to the anointed God. You've cut off every assignment, every decree. You've cut off the things of the enemy. And you're going on into your destiny. And what the devil is meant for evil, God will turn for good. God's putting a deliverance mantle upon you. And that when you preach and when you sing and when you pray, it's going to break people free into a new realm of of freedom that they've never experienced before. Oh, God, thank you so much for what you've done in this precious daughter of yours. Let your fire come back upon her. Let your fire come upon her. Let your anointing come upon her. Release the fire of your Holy Spirit to write, to worship, to flow, and to go. Thank you, God, for the new season of release. In the name of Jesus. Wonderful, beautiful, glorious, matchless in every way. Wonderful, come on. of 2011 and maybe even into 2012, it's going to be marked by family salvation. There is going to come whole families coming to the knowledge of the Lord. In the lower 48, in the lower 48, here in Alaska, come on, you believe with me? It's God's will. Restoration, healing, deliverance, family salvation. Like you said to the household of the jailer, your whole household will be saved. So we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor for what you've done tonight, what you're doing in our midst. Lord, that you would bring us back Tuesday night for that prophetic time with Sister Sue Jensen. And Lord, we look to the weekend that comes with Mark's wife full and all that you're going to do in and through us this week. I pray for divine appointments. 
great sensitivity to the infilling, great sensitivity to your spirit, that you would give us continual infillings day after day as we hunger for you, that we would yield to you. For God has anointed us. Thank you for the anointing. Everybody say, thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the anointing. Go ahead, say it again. tell you where my faith is at my son came standing up here I'm looking at him because I'm expecting him to say I got a word from God that's where my faith is at man that's where that, that's where this where we should be come on God's touching our kids he's touching our families touching our marriages do you believe that even you believe that new day everybody say it's a new day look today's the first day of the rest of your life stay on fire stay away from sin put that stuff away amen go for God New day, sister. Brand new. Yes, you. New day. New day. Say it. New day. The old is gone. New day. It's a brand new day. Joy is going to be your portion. The weeping might endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. It's morning for you. Amen. It's morning. God's going to turn it all around. Come on, somebody. Come on, give God the praise. Come on, give Him praise. Okay, we have a, an overdose situation. We're going to pray for somebody, all right? They'll remain nameless. God knows who they are. Father, I pray now life. I pray, God, that this overdose situation, Lord, that you'd heal them. Even as it says in Ezekiel, I saw you in your blood and I said live. And I speak life over this overdose situation. Will not die. She will not die. She will not die. Cause that spirit of suicide to be broken. Raise her up, healer. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. Come on, this is war, people. Walk with and talk with them all week long. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody.